Let us pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations in each of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, it's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas out there. It's finally cold. The holiday lights are up. People are driving faster. There are people running more and more red lights. I'm running more and more yellow lights. TV and radio are crying out. The retail prophets are crying out their messages of, you better hurry up. You better grab your credit card. You better get in line because I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town and you better be prepared. There's consumer culture urgency in the air telling us to get shopping and get cleaning and get ready. And we come to church today from that culture. We come for many different reasons. Some of us need to pause, to catch our breath, to be still. Some want to commune with friends and sing and pray. Others of us need relief. Maybe we need a word of hope from God that everything will be okay. We may come to rest from the sense of urgency out there. After we, as we bring our body, our minds, and our spirits here for worship, our hope and prayer is that we do get what we need. But be prepared, my friends. If the urgency of the commercial season shouts out there, the urgency of the Advent season shouts in here, in our gospel lesson from Matthew this morning. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. We hear the voice urgently crying out from the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. And every year on the second Sunday of Advent, we hear this cry again from John the Baptist, this hairy and locust-eating prophet with this urgent and hard-hitting message, you better watch out, you better repent, you better bear fruit, and I'm telling you why, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist echoes the urgency of the time in which Matthew's gospel was written. As Adam shared last week, the book was written several decades after Jesus lived and died, near the end of the first century. In the first century, Jewish audience of this book there in Palestine lived in frightening and uncertain times under very heavy-handed Rome. Rome had conquered their territory, destroyed their temple in Jerusalem, the very center of their life and worship. The people of God were anxiously awaiting the coming of God's promised Messiah, which would set all that was wrong in the world to right, vindicate the just, and all who would remain faithful to God would know peace. Things were so bad in their world, surely the righteous one would be coming soon to bring in the kingdom of heaven fully once and for all. The scene where we find John the Baptist is in the wilderness, a scene that Matthew's audience would remember well from their own and our own salvation history, the story of when the prophet Moses led the people of Israel out from Egypt, out from slavery, 
into the wilderness, making their way to the promised land. Well, once in the wilderness, they stayed 40 years, we might remember. And during that time, they learned who God was. They exercised their free will, and they strayed from God's will. God called them to repent and brought them back, and they did. They fell away again, and again they would repent, all the while learning that God is faithful and that they can trust that God's love endures forever. The wilderness in scriptures is always a place, a place of preparation for transformation. As our youth during Word with the Wise reminded us this morning, Advent is the season of preparation. It's a season that calls us to examine our lives as children of God, our own lives, and also our life as the church, as a community of God's people. So we ask during this season, are we ready? Are we ready for Christmas, the coming of Christ, and are we ready to be transformed by it? From the time I was a little girl for about Three decades after that, I played softball. I loved it. It was one of my favorite sports. I was pretty good. I had a lot of experience. I had a pretty strong arm. I knew the game well, and I knew how to prepare. I knew I needed to stretch beforehand, to eat good energy food beforehand. I I knew all the rules of the game. When I was in my mid and late 20s, I played an adult recreation softball league. I was playing left field. To look at me was to look at a player who was ready. I had my team shirt on. I had my hat on to shade my eyes from the sun. So I was prepared to catch those long fly balls that I hoped would come my way. My glove was on. My stance was ready. My eyes were on home plate. The batter was up. The pitcher pitched the ball. The batter swung making contact and sending that ball soaring out into left field. Well, that ball was not only coming near me, it was coming to me, as if the batter had aimed right at my glove. And right when I should have lifted my glove to catch that ball, there I stood motionless, as if frozen. Still with my hands on my knees, my eyes on the batter, That ball that she hit was flying my way fast. I looked oblivious because I was. Standing out there in left field in a wilderness all by myself, I looked prepared, I was dressed for action, but in the moments in between batters, in between plays, I had sunk into a very deep daydream. But suddenly the voice of my coach crying out from the dugout and the voice of my teammates crying out from the field shouting my name snapped me from my reverie just in time for me to look up, lift my glove, and a second later catch that ball. There's a difference between being prepared on the outside, which I surely was, and being prepared on the inside, which I surely was not. I had lost my focus. 
I had no longer the welfare of my team, our goal to win in mind. I was not paying attention to my own important role as a teammate for the good of the whole. I become preoccupied with my own stuff, my own desires, my own welfare, and though I cannot recall exactly, it's a safe bet to say that I was out in my wilderness wondering where we would go for pizza after the game. So losing my focus, my inner preparedness, almost cost our team the lead. It almost gave me a broken nose, and I almost missed an outfielder's important, most joyful moment of a long fly ball. We may be preparing for Christmas, and it may show on our outsides in all kinds of ways, more each day. The tree is up. Our trunks are full of shopping bags. Gifts are wrapped. We're surrounded by festive food and drink. But are we prepared on the inside? Where is our focus? Is it on the important things, like this present moment? Is it on ourselves or in the importance of those standing in front of us or all around us in any given moment? Repent. John the Baptist urges us, crying, bear fruit worthy of that repentance. Well, why the urgency? If with God's coming realm also comes God's peace and love and justice, and if, as we hear in the Gospel according to John, not John the Baptist, a different John, that God so loved the world that God sent Jesus Christ into it, not to condemn the world, but to save it, then why this harsh-sounding, threatening word from the Baptist message that every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire? It seems to me it's because God does not operate alone. God does not choose to be God without us. The kingdom of heaven being realized here on earth does not happen without us, whom God created in God's very own image and calls very good. The Baptist's urgent call to repent is a call for transformation. Advent's urgent call to prepare is a call to examine the fruits of our lives. To ask, are we producing nourishing wheat or useless chaff, only good for burning? Do our lives reflect God's image, God's glory? Do our lives reflect the peaceful kingdom that we heard from our Isaiah passage this morning? That Isaiah proclaims, this is what the kingdom of heaven looks like that you are a root of God and you will bloom. The spirit of the blessed one will rest on you, the spirit of wisdom and mindfulness and reverence for God. And you won't judge by appearances, you won't judge on hearsay, but instead you will act with respect toward the poor and you will seek the welfare of the powerless. And with a word of truth you will disarm tyrants, you will blow away oppression Justice will be your belt, 
The wolf and the lamb, the calf and the lion will live together, and a little child will lead them. And no longer will anyone destroy anything on my holy mountain, says the Lord, for all the earth will be full of the knowledge of the beloved. The examination of our fruits during this Advent season and then the repenting, the changing, allows God to transform us in ways that matches God's dream for us. And this change then allows us to know God's salvation. And what is God's salvation? But liberation right here and right now from anything that would keep us bound up in chaff and fruitlessness. And then our liberation allows us to carry this message to others, to share the good fruit of repentance with them who, like us, also stand in need of God's mercy. So why the urgency? For God so loved all the world that God wants us to know the joyful fruits of the kingdom of heaven which came to us in Jesus Christ yesterday, today, and comes tomorrow. God wants us to know that right now. So before we go back to the urgency out there, let's examine together and prepare so that our outsides and our insides come into focus on the kingdom of heaven. For John the Baptist reminds us this is urgent. Like the outfield who outfielder who cannot get the joy of the fly ball, catching it for the good of the team, without being prepared and focused, we cannot get the joy and promise of Christmas without also preparing the way of the Lord, for preparing for the kingdom of heaven, which is already near. So let's ask together, what is fruitful in your life? What bears life-giving energy? And how might you do more of that? What is not fruitful in your life? And how might you prune that tree and cut off those branches? Who can you be a friend to today? Who needs that from you? How can you serve church today? How together can we be God's people? Down the street in Madisonville, our mission partner, Meek, Madisonville Education and Assistance Center, needs volunteers next week to help with their holiday shop, which helps struggling families in our neighborhoods. Our homeless guests next week through IHN need us to come and join them, to eat with them, converse with them, to play with the kids and help them with their homework. And our friends at Third Presbyterian Church, any given night and every Sunday, welcome us to commune with them over a meal and to tutor their kids and to make friends. These are some of the ways we can bear our fruitfulness into the world. God so loved the world that God sent God's Son Christ, fully human and the fullness of the divine, to live among us. And in so doing, God says to us every day, as the word, in the words of Richard Rohr, 
It is good to be human, and God is on our side. Friends, God loves us so much that God cannot be anything but urgent in wanting us to hear this, to believe this, and to live this. And then for us to show and tell the world in all we say and do. This is the good news of the kingdom of heaven, which is already near. Thanks be to God. Amen.